0: Welcome to part two here on Lockdown Women's Basketball of our 2020 WNBA Free Agency Preview. I'm Ben Dahl, and for part two here, first we've got Natalie Heverin on the Connecticut Sun and unrestricted free agent Angel McCautry. In part one, we covered Duana Bonner, Skylar Dickens-Smith, and then looking at free agency for the LA Sparks and the Las Vegas Aces. In this part two, after that section on Connecticut with Natalie, we'll pick back up my conversation with Howard Megdal on the Chicago Sky to round out part two. Enjoy. All right, and now to talk a little bit about one of the bigger names in free agency, and then all things Connecticut Sun, who are one of the one of the going to be one of the busiest teams for sure, working with their own roster this off season. We've got Natalie Hevron of High Post Hoops. Natalie, thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Now we let's, we're going to, we saved some, for the most part, Angel Makatri talk until now. So just want to start getting your thoughts. I mean, where, where do you really, what's really most interesting for you off the bat? Do you just have some destinations in mind right away or just what do you, what are you seeing uh, looking at Makatri's situation?
1: I think it's interesting um, where she'll end up. I think it may be more of a short term solution for whatever team picks her up. Um, she's 33. She'll be turning 34 towards the end of the season in September. So definitely not a team that may look to have her long-term, though of course you have players like Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird playing forever, but not everyone can do that. I also think some teams may not be as interested in her just because she is coming off of such a significant knee injury and she wasn't even cleared to play until well, she announced she was cleared to play in February. We don't really know when that, um, or the end of January, when that really came about.
0: Yeah, and I, I do wonder how much also it, it maybe has been glossed over by some people that she did actually have a second surgery that that whole initial recovery just didn't go as planned and how much, how much that may end up proving to maybe affect whatever kind of player she is now I think I think an interesting thing is like you mentioned Tarasi, you know people point people point to three point shooting so often because it's a thing you can just point to on on the screen right away. You know, a nice thing about Angel's game is like I mean she's really strong, she's big, she's physical. Like I think you know if she really you know commits herself to really just using that physicality, maybe she plays some more as you know some smaller lineups, which Atlanta did in in 2018 with her. If if that can almost prolong her career as she maybe transitions a little more to to maybe a a bit of a specialist, you know, not not necessarily called on as as the top option. But then a question I guess also becomes, you know, is, is she okay with that, right?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, especially with how last season went and there was a lot of like she really I think if I'm remembering correctly, she said that she was going to be in by the end of the season. And then that kind of caused a little bit of drama um, regarding how her recovery was going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have the, uh, the social media posts in front of me, but it, she, it, she definitely put the cart before the horse.
1: And I think that's something that her future team or any team looking to sign her this off season is going to have to take into account. Um And I think if whatever team looking into her was smart, they would definitely have to look at how she's acted in the past year or so uh, since the injury um, and just take into account if they want that sort of attitude and energy on their team.
0: Yeah. So I I wonder if we try to get into some destinations here, you know, you know, one, maybe we should just talk about, you know, I, I, I don't know if, I, I think most people have seen enough on social media to read into the idea that she definitely won't go back to Atlanta.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: if she sees, you know, if she's met with a certain market reality and if Atlanta doesn't manage to add another big time threat, I, I, you know, I, I just, <laughs> part of me just wonders if, if that just, if that just may end up happening. I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? I definitely think that if that, if she does end up returning to Atlanta, it won't be the first choice. So it definitely won't come out immediately just because especially the way it was worded, um, whenever it did come out that Atlanta was, um, going to let Angel talk to some of the other teams that maybe they're not her first priority. She's not their first priority. Yeah.
0: So it, I'm interested to get into some teams here, you know to to I'll tee you up here in a minute, you know, just to maybe just start with if you have a favorite, but another question becomes what how how important is winning right away to her? Does she want a team right away that's in contention? You can point even to Dallas, like who desperately needs just someone else that can do something with the ball, which they obviously can get in the draft and in other ways, and an older player may not line up exactly. Perfectly with them, but a, a team on the lower end, or you know, even it it came up inevitably a little bit talking with Howard, you know, he, he threw out L.A. as a possibility mm-hmm. for them to get something different at the three. Do you have a leader in the clubhouse, or, or maybe a group of teams that that stand out as most interesting to you?
1: Um, I think that she's going to have to go to a team that kind of has room in their um, in their budget, um, so it's looking like Dallas may be an option, um, but if she does want to go to a team that may win um, more quickly, um, she may, I think it would be interesting to see her in Vegas. um, Looking at their salary cap, um, from what we know now, they're way, way under the cap. um, So they could, in theory, depending on who they bring back, um, From last season's roster, afford um, to have Angel on the team, or I think the Sparks would also be very interesting. Um, Probably, I can see her definitely in a bigger market uh, than, say, Atlanta.
0: Yeah, if if we're if we're just looking at the money, we're really you know if if any team other than Chicago, Connecticut, or Washington, if they wanted to make it happen they could have the room relatively easily it, bringing up Vegas, bringing up Vegas is interesting because they, they certainly have kind of the, the most chairs open as mm-hmm. free agency starts. You know, they, they have plenty of bench players. They probably should want to keep, but they, they can do just about anything they want to with cap space off the bat here. You know, with, with, Ve- with Vegas, I guess it's kind of a question of how many cooks do you really need in the kitchen? And maybe, Should the priority, you know, the priority might, should it be more about play finishers? You know, maybe if anything, do you just go get a really good shooter to just kind of plug in around what they already have? Mm -hmm. And, you know, looking at the other teams, LA, I think it's a similar question, although I think LA, you know, looking at, like, let's stack up LA versus Vegas. You know, what do you see when you look at them? Because one thing I got into Howard with Howard was, LA probably has to feel a little more of a sense of urgency to go make a big talent play
1: Mm -hmm.
0: to to really up their chances. Whereas Vegas, we're young, we have players that are still getting better. We don't necessarily need uh, somebody to have that big of an impact as a scorer to to propel us.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's interesting um, in both scenarios, just, um, and then, I think it also comes down to how many personalities they want on their team Um, because you see a lot of big names, not necessarily big personalities, but you see a lot of big names on the Sparks and a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads last season on why, um, in part, their uh, team on paper looked better than it did necessarily on the court. So they may not necessarily be looking for another big name to add. Um, because it wasn't a strategy that necessarily worked for them last season.
0: Yeah. I have, I mean, to kind of really come out of left field here, you know, here's an idea to throw at you. If, 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 if everything's on the table and if for Angel, and if, if you just want to win, do you, uh, do you have, try to have your agent place a call to Seattle? Say, Hey, I'll come off the bench. You want, you know, you want to, you want to give me a chance. You guys have awesome spacing. You know, do you guys want someone who can kind of go to work inside and, and create some mismatches? What, I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm just throwing ideas out here because I don't, I don't really see a ton of, you know, easy plug and play. Yeah. Just put her in at the three. That's, and that's the team's number one priority in, in free agency.
1: That, that would be really interesting. huh? I mean, I think if she was okay with coming off the bench, and that's um, an if that we obviously don't have an answer to, um, if she wants to win and is okay coming off the bench, then Seattle, I think, might work. But that's a lot of ifs in the flowchart of how this is all going to shake out.
0: Yeah, and I I think another... Feels like another thing looming over this too is that Dewana Bonner, a similar, similar position, is probably a bigger domino that needs to fall at this point. You know, Dewanna just she's a little bit more complimentary, I think, of a player at this stage in her career, and, and you know, frankly, she's better right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's it's tough looking for destination. I mean, you know, Minnesota, it's easy to say that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's painfully obvious to say like they could use another big threat on the perimeter when you're, you're now going into a second season without Maya Moore, mm-hmm. but angels a very different player. And, and I don't know, what do you, what do you make of Minnesota? Cause they, I mean, they have a bunch of wings and if anything, maybe they need a guard, but I I, don't, I mean, you know, Cheryl Reeve gets, you know, she gets, she gets really good players where they need to be to score. So I, I don't know, maybe do you think, do you see any validity to that?
1: I don't know, because um, I do think they would need a guard, maybe somebody who could play the one or the two more than they need um, somebody a little bit bigger and somebody who can play more than three. But, again, I I have no idea where <laughs> they end up. Um, when the news comes out, I think whatever team she does end up signing with, I'll just be like, okay, I guess that that'll work just because, I mean – we've already talked about most of the teams in the league and that she could fit in with um, again, everyone that may not have the cap space issue that um, we talked about earlier.
0: Yeah. It's just, and you know, somebody like, you know, Indiana, New York, like they've got Victoria Vivians, they've got Kia nurse, like they've got younger players at that spot. And even if you add angel, it's, it's just not, you know that's not that's not putting you in the title in the title contention. So mm-hmm. for a team like that, is really worth it. So maybe to tie to tie a bow on this, do you have any you know any last ditch ideas of of what might work or or, or what to look for here?
1: Uh no. I think it really just comes down to if she's okay coming off the bench. That's one big question. Um, uh, maybe another big question is what's more important to her right now: um, money or uh, possibly being on a team with title contention. So I think those are some big questions that of what's important to her. And that'll really come out when it's comes out, what team she's signing with.
0: Yeah. So let's a lot, a lot can, a lot can go, can still uh, be to, to be determined there. Let's move on to maybe the, the really the main event of free agency uh because because of the importance of the names that they would hope to lock down long term, but then also a, a a four, as many as four, like really good bench players that bench players slash reserves that other teams may try to pry away and the and that's the Connecticut Sun, a team you've spent a lot of time around. What's what's I don't know where I mean we can go anywhere with this. Where do you want to start with with looking at their offseason?
1: Uh well there was um the kind of mumbling around um, where we were able to confirm with a league source that uh, Natisha Heideman has verbally agreed to return to the Sun. And I think that that's a good first step for them. Uh, definitely trying to get some of the younger players secured for probably a more affordable price because they have a lot that they need to do uh, this offseason in terms of, I think it's three of their starters are not under contract for 2020. So definitely getting her back on the team um, for what's probably a smaller sum of money uh, than a lot of other uh, players. But I think that kind of leaves um, some questions surrounding what's going to happen with Lejja Clarendon.
0: Yeah, Lejja and... The, the way I've kind of looked at it is, you know, John Quill Jones, Courtney Williams, they're restricted. They've, they're feature players there. You know, there's no indication to really think like that they are, uh, they would, you know, a restricted free agent of that caliber basically has to ask for a trade. You know, it's yeah. maybe they only, you know, I'm sure Connecticut would love a multi-year deal off the bat, but even if they have to do one year, you know, you just do it uh, and move on. I think the way, the way I've looked at it as, is I, I wonder if it comes down to they basically might have to pick two of three of Lasia Clarendon and then Bria Holmes and Morgan Tuck as restricted free agents. What do you, what do you make of that idea and how would you maybe prioritize those three names?
1: I think that um, Morgan Tuck may stay in Connecticut just because she's been in Connecticut so long in terms of that's where she played in school and now that's where she's played her WNBA career so far. Uh, when I talked to her last March, um, she said that Connecticut feels like home. Now, if she wants to get, kind of leave, because she's been in Connecticut now since pretty much 2012, I think, when she came to UConn. So I think securing Morgan Tuck may be one of the easier ones. And then, of course, Bria Holmes is from Connecticut. She's from New Haven. So I think getting those two to stay in Connecticut um, may be easier than necessarily Malaysia who's played on several teams in the league. But also, I think she can start in for some of the other teams in the league. So it really depends on what she's looking to do.
0: With, with Tuck, uh, looking at Tuck and Holmes, it's I kind of think about what Minnesota did last offseason with Demir's Dantas plucking her away from Atlanta and I look at Tuck who I mean who also you know her her main position is the four I'm not really sure if Tuck has I think it'd take a bigger bet on Tuck for someone else to pay Mm -hmm. her as a starting four not so much for her skill level but just that you know she's been banged up at a few points in her career and I think that is something people have to worry about. So maybe that plays in Connecticut's favor. And whereas with, with Holmes, it, I, I think she was awesome for them last year. I mean, first, just what, I mean, what'd you make of her season? I thought she was a huge revelation for them.
1: Oh yeah, um, definitely. She could really play anywhere. Like you could see her shooting um, from a little bit more distance, but you could also see her driving in for a layup. Um, she was really quick and... Long, So she was able to guard players that were maybe a little bit bigger than her uh, when she was on the defensive end, but then she could be somehow everywhere on the offensive end. And she came off the bench first quite a few times. Um, That was one thing that I kind of tracked uh, when I was watching games is who would come off the bench first, because really, it could have been anyone. Um, But when it was Bria Holm, she really provided a spark uh, in the offense.
0: Yeah. And a really big strength of this team is, you know, you see with Holmes, you see it with Alyssa Thomas, you see with Tuck, frankly, if, if she's healthy and if she's moving well, you know, they're, they're just, they just put, end up putting a bunch of big bodies on the court and sometimes you don't really know what position they're playing. They don't, it's not really set in stone and, and that really plays to their advantage. So I think, you know, holding on to that size and, and, and Tuck, especially you know, if you can just have someone else that can shoot, I think that's really important to have on any Alyssa Thomas team. It, now, moving to Flajja, you mentioned the idea of someone poaching her as a starter. I think I think that gets tough. I maybe one way to start with that is you know, what would you make of them entering the season with, with if if Lasia happens to get pried away? As how would you feel as Heidemann just as the the backup point guard? Is that as the the main option? as the backup point guard.
1: I think she did well uh, last season in that position, but of course she didn't get necessarily as many minutes. And Jasmine Thomas did have to play very, very long stretches. And I think it got harder in the playoffs when you had to take her out, just because it's incredibly difficult for anyone uh, at any level to play 40 minutes on the floor. So I think that it, Really depends on how her off season went, and I know she's been playing overseas, so she's definitely getting better. But I think there is a little bit of risk in just having Heidemann as the backup point guard. But I don't think it'll be a total disaster because she has proven that she can do it um, in stretches last season.
0: Yeah, I, I, we were. I think we're of the same mind on all these players, really. And you know, if if you really want to. If you really want to nitpick, you know, one, I don't think it really matters because you know these are bench players. No, one, no bench player is perfect, but you know, with with Bria Holmes, it'd be nice if she shot a little better from three. Talk obviously needs to stay healthy. You know, Laisha, same thing. There are questions about her shot, and and Heideman. You know, she's really small. You know, there's no there's no getting around that. But it, it, you know, you add you add all that up, and it's it. I don't know. It, it's strange to me. What do you make of like you know Laisha was hurt in the playoffs, but it's and their starters are playing so many minutes but I don't know I kind of like their bench situation if they're healthy more than more than a few other teams that are going to be in the mix up top
1: oh yeah their bench is really good and just looking at how many people or how many players that Kurt would sometimes play in a game you may not see that on a lot of other teams but He was comfortable with if the starters weren't playing well or the starters needed rest. There would be times where there were three or four bench players out on the court. And going back to what you said about Heidemann's size, I think at times that played to her advantage because she would be able to come in and really make plays because she could move so quickly um, because of her size. And she could move down the court really quickly and kind of just swerve in and out throughout players because. she kind of flew under the radar. I think she's listed at maybe five, seven. Um, so definitely smaller than a lot of other players, but it kind of works for her and um, how she plays.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, just it sounds so simple, but you know, also just, she showed that she's going to play really hard. And if you do that, right. you know, that can make up for so much of it. And then, you know, I had, I had talked to, you know, I had pulled a few, Coaches, executives, after kind of at the start of the season, talking about some players who got cut or some undrafted players, and the thing with Heidman that came up is just you know, she's a really she's a really skilled shooter. She can shoot it off the dribble. If those shots go in, you are almost maybe kind of looking at a a Leilani Mitchell kind of player, and that's a really valuable player for a long time. Now let's move to uh, let's move to Shaquina Strickland, who is another easy one to point to. Like Leija, she's unrestricted. And again, if she was in a big role, they love her there. So it's only, it's, you know, it's, but it's natural to point to this because she's unrestricted. And a lot of teams could use one of the best shooters in the league. What do you, what do you make of, I guess, what they're looking at with her? Do you think it really would come down to money? Uh, you know, do you think it's just a situation of give her what she wants and make sure you have that five starting five intact to try to try to run it back?
1: Yeah, I think if they can keep her, I think they definitely should keep her. She made, um, in the regular season, 76 threes. Uh, I was at the game where she went like seven of 11 from behind the three point line. And the team is just different when not only the team as a whole is hitting threes, but when Strickland is hitting threes, um, the crowd goes wild in Mohegan's whenever she drains one, they could be up 20, down 20. There's going to be a whole lot of noise. And I think that's something that even if they're just looking at how she can change the momentum and how she really impacts the team as a whole, um, Cause when she's on and she's making shots, they really do look and um, play like a different team.
0: Yeah. And I'm not exaggerating when I see this, like one of the most fascinating things is when they're coming down in transition and you realize Strickland is running down one of those wings. It's like, all right, are you guys going to like give somebody a layup? or Are you going to go like, make sure she doesn't get a three because like she really does require that, that kind of decision-making when she's, when she's coming down in transition
1: yeah and she definitely she had a few games last season where she had quite a few steals uh and it's not that it was surprising but um she's a little bit bigger than you would really assume somebody who's going to come in um and get a handful of steals in a game and then she would usually get it and then sometimes it would even come back to her for a three so really you just she was I think better on the defensive end than a lot of um, people may give her credit for.
0: Yeah. The, the, her defense got brought up a little bit in the finals. You know, she doesn't have, she's not an amazing lateral athlete. You know, it's, it's tough if someone's going to attack her on straight line drives, but yeah, there's, there's, there's some stuff there, as you mentioned, she's, she's on the, she's on the, on the bigger side, just inside in terms of height for a wing, you know, she's Mm -hmm. what a a legit, legit six one, you know, where a lot of those players are more, in the 510 range. So the you know, if they switch some more, maybe she holds up a little bit against some bigger players. Like there's there's there are certainly some positives there too and and she's just such a good shooter. It just yeah, I I I think it it it'd be really tough for them to recover. I mean, if it came to that, what do you think we're looking at for this team if they do have to replace her? You know, are you hoping are you just hoping that you keep Bria Holmes or would you even look elsewhere to maybe try to find a similar Uh, someone that can give you a similar amount of shooting.
1: They're going to have to get someone, whether it's in the draft or in free agency that can shoot the three. Cause I think if you're losing that type of three point shooting, you're in trouble just in terms of balancing your offense um, and making sure that people don't assume that you're not going to shoot the three. So they don't, they just really put everyone inside. Um, because she and like she won the, the three point contest at the All-Star game. So I think that really shows just how well she can shoot and that it's going to be a really big role to fill um, for them. Now, I don't know if they would do it by just everyone maybe takes a few more threes um, or if they try to find somebody, but it's going to be really tough to replace that sort of productivity.
0: And it's so tough to do this with so many uh, futures still uncertain. But even even if it's a nitpick, you know, looking back at the season that they had, looking back on that final series, you know, I, I guess you can start looking at this as assuming they bring everyone back or if they did. What, if anything, what does this team need to try to add to, not ju- not just for next season, but then you know, to maybe stay in this, in this range as a real contender three, four years from now.
1: I think that they just need to make sure that they don't put too much, um, of their defense, um, in kind of more outside guards, because I feel like at times this season they were kind of beat up a little bit on the inside. Um, that's one thing that just concerns me uh, in terms of them moving forward. Now, I don't know if that's a problem they can necessarily address um, while trying to keep as many players from last season's team because, as we saw in the finals, they came. it came down to the last game. So they're really, really close. It just, I think, came down to a few plays in... Sometimes any of uh, you really look at the regular season, it came down in the final stretch for a few of those games, and especially in the finals.
0: Yeah what what can you uh, what can you kind of share with the listeners or people who just weren't around the team a lot about how the end of the season went for Teresa Plaisance, a player they acquired with the theory of hey, she's a stretch five, maybe she plays some backup minutes, she can play with. Can probably find time to play with have her play with John quell or with Alyssa Thomas, and she just didn't seem to stay healthy what What did you kind of take away from from maybe just from her or or from from uh Kurt Miller and how just the team kind of reacted to how that broke for them?
1: I think definitely her staying healthy was an issue, but I'm not ready to necessarily give up on the idea of her and John Quell tag teaming. I think if she can stay healthy, then it's a whole different conversation. But I think with the smaller sample size, because they only had her for about the last month of the regular season. And then of course the first part of that is just trying to get her acclimated to the team. Um, because I think she went and joined the yeah, she went and joined the team on a road trip. So I think Part of it may have been um, definitely her getting used to it, and then maybe she wasn't 100% healthy, but I'm not ready to give up on what Kurt Miller saw and why he traded her or, or traded for her.
0: Yeah, well, and frankly, I don't know if they have a choice in really deciding what to do with her. Contract's guaranteed.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: not like I don't think anyone's going to be you know banging down their door trying to trade for her coming off those injuries last season. So if that, that'll be important. They got to get something from her because I don't know if they, they have Brianna Jones on last year of her rookie deal. And I don't know if you can afford to carry a fourth center after that, not even just in terms of money, just making room for four centers. Um, I don't know. I mean, what do you, what do you think of, what do you think of Jones's place too? Do you, in one, do you think she's safe regardless of their different maneuverings and, and what do you think their confidence level would be in her if worse came to worse and Plaisance you know, can't get healthy. And she's basically the only option at backup center.
1: I think it'll be okay because that's how they played most of last season. Um, She was able to come in and at times go up against players like Brittany Griner. So I think she can withstand it. Um, It just comes down to if they want to run bigger um, and, have their centers on the court for a longer period of time, or um, if JJ isn't having a great day, then that gets a little more complicated when it's just two of them. So I definitely think they're going to have to get something out of PlaySense, but if they don't, or for some reason um, going forward, they don't hang on to her and they do hang on to Jones, both Jones's um, definitely, they can make it work. They did make it work. It was just probably not as easy as they would like to.
0: What do you think, what do you think the outlook is for Rachel Bannum at this point as a restricted free agent?
1: I think that gets a little bit complicated um, just in terms of, I think Bannum and Clarendon kind of go hand in hand. Um, If they're going to make room for any, draft picks and they had trouble making room for even just one last season. Somebody is going to have to go. And I think of the assuming they keep all of their starters, um, the Bannum, Clarendon, Heidemann situation, I think one of them does have to go. Um, That is again, assuming that Bria Holmes and Morgan Tuck um, stick around. So it's just a lot of contingencies. I did like how, Uh, been unplayed last season, especially uh, right after the Clarendon injury. But there's a lot of contingencies in place. Um, She didn't have a ton of scoring after, say, like June, a few points here and there. But she was definitely able to contribute on the floor Um, if she was to leave, I think the team would definitely feel it in a sense, especially because she brought so much energy from the bench. Um, And I think from what I was able to tell likely has a really good locker room presence, but I can see a world where they may not hang on to uh, Bannum, Whereas it's harder for me to see a world where they don't hang on to like Holmes.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's spot on there. And, And the draft picks is interesting They've got number 10 from L.A. from that Chenegumake trade, and then their own pick is right after that at 11 overall. One, it becomes interesting for them because you're, if a couple early entrants come into this draft, it increases the value of those picks by pushing down a couple seniors to, to within their grasp. And then it, you know, even if it came to it, maybe someone else has a player that they like that they want to go trade for. Even for the you know, even for the other teams, it's gonna be tough too. It's just, it, it, it's not you know, it comes up every year, and you know, like I like this year. It's I think it's gonna be brutal. I don't know if a single second round pick is really gonna get drafted into a favorable spot to make a roster. So with those two picks, um, yeah, I don't I don't know where to start with those. I mean, do you? One, I, I guess, would they, you point?
1: Yeah, go ahead. At least they would have to trade one of them. I can't see. I don't know if they have really room to put two first round picks, not even taking the money out of it because the money is a hard set of math, but just space. They have so many good players that are invested in the team. And I don't know necessarily if they're going to leave. And I know Connecticut will try to keep as many people as possible, but until they traded Chennai last season, they didn't have room really to keep anyone. This 12-player roster cap is really creating some difficulties um, for the Sun, and I'm sure in other years it's happened for other teams. But the past two years, it's been nearly impossible for anyone to make the roster.
0: Yeah, it's 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 just a really tricky range to be into, you know, because maybe, you know, hey, maybe like they could just kick the can down the road again. Can they swap one of these first for someone's first next year? But then, you know, does that, that other team, I don't know if they want to do it because maybe they're, for, they're picking up being better than that one. So, you it's just, it's, it's tough to find a, an easy way for them to maximize those picks, I guess, is an easy way to say it at this point. You know, the one, the one thing I had mapped out is, maybe you have roster spots for them if you move on from Bantam. And then, as I mentioned earlier, that two of those three bench players don't come back. Then you have, you know, two spots in theory. And I guess in that kind of situation, so let's say, you know, you've got Heidemann, you've got Playsons and Jones at the five, you've got Holmes and Tuck as your, your wings slash forwards. Does one skill particular skill a skill set a position stick out to you that they you'd really you think they could should try to target in the draft
1: i think it depends if strickland sticks around um if they can't secure strickland then they're definitely going to need to go uh, after somebody who can shoot the three um and then if not um you did mention that they may not be able to have the space to have four centers, but depending on how uh, Kurt Miller sees um, play health, like obviously we don't know anything uh, since the end of the finals about how she's doing. Um, They may look to get somebody bigger who can play inside.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, so... I did. I did kind of wonder about if if that would come up. So maybe some fives to throw at you. Um, you know, in the, in the draft, like one, you know, one name. Maybe the end of the first round is Ruthie Hebert out of Oregon. You know, that could be a name that come up. Even in free agency, you know, McGee Stafford, restricted free agent out of Dallas, but you know, it's it's a it's a center with some real size. So either if you're just in a, in a really physical matchup or like, you know, you said maybe there's a, a bad John quo Jones day. It'd be nice to have maybe a big five that can play, you know, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think with Ruthie Hebert, the, the issue would be, would they, uh, would she fall to the sun? Um, it all depends on who comes out and how that shakes out. I haven't even gotten to looking at um, some of the mock drafts just because I don't know how free agency is going to shake out, but I think if they were to go with um, somebody that's a free agent, definitely the money game would come into play again. Um, When I was writing my article about how the salary cap would affect the Sun, I had to do some math and be like, if they paid this person this much, this is what they can afford to pay somebody else. And uh, they definitely have some more difficult math ahead of them in terms of how they're going to make this work.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll share one of the numbers that I had that I mapped out. And it may be if, if you have one to pull that up, but what I had was I had mentioned two of, you know, two of Leja, Bria Holmes, Morgan Tuck, if you bring them back, even, even that, I think that gets like really hard. I, I had penciled in, you know, if you pencil in JJ and Courtney Williams at their max, that's 185. Mm -hmm. And if Strickland, I I penciled her at 185 just because you know, if if other people are chasing her, like it might require that or even more because she's she'd be eligible for more. But maybe you can say, hey, can you take 185 just because the other two (laughs) starters are, and and then that only left you know about seventy thousand each for two of those three bench players who might command more than that on the open market, and that so it's it it really looks that grim
1: for them. Yeah. No, I, I had a lot of trouble with the math. Cause I, especially because it was right after, um, it was announced that there would be the new, um, increased salary cap and what that would mean in terms of player maxes. I just, the math was definitely difficult and I had to play around with some numbers. Um, but, yeah, they, I don't think that they can keep um, both Bannum and Clarendon. And then, as you talked about, the Clarendon-Tuck-Holmes um, triad, they can't keep all of those. But it's definitely going to be um, difficult for the team in the offseason, not for them to build their team, but to try to really retain the players that they've had.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, just to, to really hammer on that, that trio, because I think it's just, it can really make, you know, it can make multiple off seasons because one of these players might be a really important piece for somebody else, you Mm -hmm. know, with Leija, because she's unrestricted, you know, obviously it comes down to, you know, how you know, how she slices up the pie with her priorities, but, you know, (laughs) I'd have to imagine if someone says, yeah, you're going to play a lot, that's going to be pretty enticing because, um, you know, she's playing behind a, an all-star and, you know, maybe, you know, when they play together, you get to, you know, 15 minutes, you know, that range, that's Mm -hmm. still kind of low. And with Holmes and Tuck, you know, I would, for another team, like the idea I've been throwing out for a bunch of free agents, but especially with someone that's restricted, you know, if I really wanted them and I had space this year, I'd give one of those two players, Hey, you want one fifty or even more than that for one year sign this offer sheet. Cause I'm, you know, you can be pretty confident that, you know, Connecticut probably can't match that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think definitely with, um, Leija, she spends her off seasons out on the West coast. So I can definitely see maybe she wants to stay a little bit closer to where she's made her home. Um, I definitely think she's enjoyed her time in Connecticut. Um, she always had a smile on her face, even, uh, when she was riding the scooter after her injury, but, it could be in her mind that she wants to go a little bit closer to where she lives. The, and during the off season.
0: It's going to be interesting to see how soon even some of these dominoes start to fall. I would, I would, I would think if, especially if teams are interested in Holmes and Tuck, that we'll hear about that pretty early
1: mm-hmm. next
0: week as things can become official. Uh, and we'll see after that, but there the it's, it's a, it's a vital time for them to, to hang on to some of that depth as they try to get back to the finals because they don't have, you know, they, they sent out two first round picks and you know, th- those are, there's a lot of nuance to that, but you don't have, you don't have maybe as many young players waiting in the wings, you know, to step into a bigger role, like some other teams might have, you know, Kalia Copper in Chicago, you know, it, they're different players, but you know, you could look at that as just, well, Katie, Lou Samuelson is just going to play more and then it's mm-hmm. fine, you know? So it's, you know, we'll see how that all plays out, but to get out of here, I want to, I want to throw it to you any, you know, a, a closing thought, um, you know, something we haven't touched on, a, a target we haven't touched on, anything, anything to, uh, to wrap this up here on, on Connecticut?
1: Uh, no, not really. I just think that it really starts with who they can secure from their starting five. Um, I assume paying them will definitely be a priority, but then also once that happens, you have kind of look at how much money does that leave for the bench. Um, and then that's where the math really gets difficult. Um, but there's a lot of contingencies in place for this team. And I really don't know if we'll even be able to have half of a guess at how it'll all shake out until some of the pieces start falling into place. Um, because again, they only have four people locked up and then there was the verbal uh Heidemann's verbal agreement that she was returning to the sun. Um, So that kind of makes four and a half, five people that are returning. So until some of the pieces start falling into place, it'll be very difficult to predict how the rest of the dominoes are going to fall.
0: All righty. There you have it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to go follow all of Natalie's coverage, especially as this starts to break over at high post hoops. You can follow her, on Twitter at Natalie Hevron. Thank you so much for coming on, Natalie.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So let's get to a team that I'm basically viewing as a third semifinalist for understandable reasons. The Chicago Sky. Mm-hmm. We're right there. They're gonna have a really tough time staying under the cap. They've got Courtney Vandersloot, Allie Quigley, Stephanie Dolson. That's three starters who are unrestricted. Uh Kalia Copper, a name you brought up, is restricted, Mm -hmm. along with Astu New. Uh, Just, uh, you know, paint with a broad brush. What do you see for them, for James Wade, trying to bring the band back
2: together? So clearly you're building around that backcourt first and foremost. And Quiddly and VanderSloot sticking together make a lot of sense. Once you do that, you have almost the opposite issue that you had in Las Vegas that we were just talking about there are limitations to what they are defensively. And it means you're going to have to surround them with some players, especially, you know, with Allie Quidley, surround them with some players with some rim protection that makes up for those limitations. Uh, it's why Amber Stocks drafted Dabby Williams as a potential defensive stopper. Uh, that's been something that hasn't necessarily worked so great so far. Uh, it's why Diamond De Shields is, ability to defend was so important in picking her, not just her offensive tools, uh, which she is gradually turning into skills, especially uh, in the latter part of this season. Uh, that certainly I think has worked out. I think it's worth thinking of the Sky as Diamond De Shields' team going forward uh, because she is clearly the future and may well be the present uh, when it comes to their title aspirations as well. Uh, If anything, and interestingly enough, Kalia Copper is expendable to the extent she is simply because of the overlap between what Copper does and what the Shields does. And Copper is somebody who could start for a lot of teams, uh, as James Wade himself has said. So what do you do with that? I think rim protection is the number one thing that you're looking for. And so Stephanie Dolson, who is skilled, a former all-star, can shoot the ball from anywhere, uh, tremendous player is Stephanie Dolson the one you want to depend on as your number one at the five, or do you want to do something like Astu and do and find some more defensive presences to go alongside? Uh, She's not a free agent, but man, Tia Stokes would be such a great fit on the Chicago sky. And I wonder if there's a trade to be made between Chicago and New York.
0: That's a, that's a very interesting possibility you mentioned there with Stokes
2: with, with, You know, one for the back. I'm I'm sorry to, but just where are the minutes for Stotts in New York? You know, if Zowie B is your center who should get the bulk of the minutes, and she is, then you're paying Stotts almost a hundred thousand dollars to be a backup to Zowie B and maybe get ten minutes a game.
0: Yeah, yeah. With I was gonna I was gonna say with their backcourt, it I you know it just one it just has to be a good sign that they didn't core one of them. Right. Just by the, (laughs) you know, they, they clearly aren't worried about, you know, one of them trying to leave and, well, again,
2: follow the real estate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And with a stew, I think you just, whatever it takes, I think you got a match on her because to your point about protecting the basket, that's somebody who they can, they can put, at the four, at the five with different combinations and her shooting, she's just a really valuable player. With Dolson, you know, if if there are, like, the Dolson detractors out there or just, you know, I don't don't think, I think it'd be the wrong move to doubt her place with the team. I think they do need to prioritize her and bring her back. You know, one, you know, there isn't, you know, I, I think it's, we almost kind of, chalk up in our head, you know, because it's obvious to say she isn't a top rim protector that, oh, well, they should look elsewhere. Well, some player who might do those things isn't, you know, the trade-off won't be worth it. You know, Steph Dolson is a really good offensive player. She's an awesome shooter, awesome passer. They run so much of their offense because with her because of her intelligence mm. as a passer. And, you know, the thing with her defensively, I think Nick Niendorf had mentioned this, that like... And when the 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 league was a complete mess and no one's calling fouls, Steph managed to have a career high in fouls. Yes. <laughs> um she needs to stop fouling. And not all those were her fault. But when they go, go against the big centers, I want Steph Dolson. She she relishes that. She challenges them. She makes them work really hard to get post position and score over her. Especially Griner, who've you know they've become really interesting foils, and even Cambege.
2: Yeah.
0: It, so I, you know. If it it might be quote unquote easier to point to maybe a war or two in Dolson's game, but I you know by no means should that you know should her you know worth and and place with that team be in question in my I,
2: opinion. I, I do think it's worth pointing out also when we're talking about rim protection, their block percentage leader last year, uh, and it was by a fairly decent margin with Cheyenne Parker, who has just turned into a, a, an absolute standout player. She played every game now, second year in a row. Uh, You go by, you know, it's a flawed stat, but uh, something like player efficiency rating. She was at 19.1 last year, 18.7, 18.7 last year, 19.1 the year before. She has increased her range tremendously. She's turned into a willing passer. Uh, She's essentially tripled her assist percentage since she came in the league. And she's somebody who does it without using a whole lot of possessions. Uh, She is an absolute potential star. Only limited by the fact that she's playing fewer than twenty minutes a game. But I think for Chicago to be at its best, you need to get more minutes for Cheyenne Parker. Yeah, I'm
0: not. I think we disagree there. Okay. I'm not, I think I think this is. I think this kind of role is 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 kind of what Parker is. You know, I think the I think Dolson's passing. You know, Parker isn't to that level. Isn't that level of a shooter? And if you're not. I think, I think Parker's even a little more limited on defense because she isn't doesn't have as much heft to deal with a post-score. I think this is kind of the sweet
2: spot for her. But. Here's what I'll say about Parker. And, and and I did that, and actually, look, you look purely at WNBA numbers. She's a career 26.8% shooter from three, but she was hitting threes overseas at a significant clip. And I cannot help but wonder how much that has to do with just what James Wade has and doesn't have her do. Uh, which is to say she took 18 threes total all of last year. Uh, she's someone who might be that type of player.
0: Yeah. I, I liked that she didn't try to really take that many of them last year, though, mm-hmm. because they they really had her hammer people just on Duckins. That's true. Because the other big with her was a shooter so often, so she just had a totally open lane to just totally – I mean,
2: if it, a starting center is in the game, she's probably going to destroy whoever that is on the yeah. block. Yeah. No, no, it's a good point, and and again, it's something that she's excellent at. My only point is, if yeah. Dolson went elsewhere, you could see her fill that role a little bit as well, and you can do it on hundred ten thousand dollars next year. Which, with the new CBA, I think Parker that's that's now a bargain. Is my particular opinion.
0: Yeah. So so with their bench and on Kalia Copper, you know, I I kind of view her as. Not not that someone they should be willing to lose, but I think she's the most expendable of, of those five biggest names because, you know, I was somebody who was higher than the consensus on Katie Lou Samuelson coming to the draft, and James Wade clearly was as well. And if you draft if you drafted her, like you have to be willing to play her at this point if Copper gets wowed with an offer or gets one so big that it doesn't make sense for you to match it and one for one, Lou is not is not gonna defend like Copper can right now. That's clear but you put an awesome shooter a good cutter on the court and gabby williams can be gabby williams is 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 a defensive player that can um you know kind of mitigate that and she can take on some of the tougher assignments Mm -hmm. i think it's something they have to be willing to do do you have anything to add on on maybe a copper a copper suitor or just you know what you think a, a walkaway number might be
2: Somebody has got to give Copper, if not the max, something max-ish to be able to build around as a potential starter. If you were L.A. and you were looking for a way to build in 2020 and beyond at the same time, uh, instead of McCautry, uh Kalia Copper wouldn't be a bad idea in that situation, although you're not necessarily matching for 2020. That's more about... Uh, the Chelsea Gray core team that goes beyond 2020. Uh, But I I just want to echo what you're saying about Katie Lou. Katie Lou is a talented, skilled player. And how many times have we seen in this league that the shiny new object uh, loses its luster relatively quickly, and then we move on to what's next? If you think about hypothetically, Katie Lou Samuelson, with her skills, uh, with her resume, if she were in the 2020 WNBA draft, and she had spent another year at UConn, where would she be picked? She would be picked pretty high up. She would be in the conversation for lottery picks, uh, especially depending on who else was coming out. And I think you need to treat her that way accordingly. I don't think it's an accident she ended up on the USA basketball team over the last couple of weeks. Katie Lou Samerson is a skilled, effective, brilliant basketball mind, by the way. And I am eager to see her get more playing time and see what happens with it.
0: Yeah. So I, I guess in, and, and I would like copper would be interesting in LA, by the way, if they Mm -hmm. just start her at the three, Um, exactly how, yeah. So Chicago has the eighth overall pick. How are you kind of looking at, you know, let's call it, let's call it there. You pencil that first round pick in, let's call it their last two spots. If they lose copper, they've got Jamira Faulkner's restricted and it, it just her biggest obstacle is just being staying healthy. Hopefully she, she can get there. How are you viewing those last two spots? Are you pointing to a position and mm-hmm. say, we need that?
2: No, or are you best just saying talent. we have best available? Yeah. And and that's how James Wade tends to approach the draft. Anyway. Uh, Wade is looking as, as Katie Lou is an example, right? Uh, James Wade wants to bring the best available talent in and, this Chicago team, I mean, I, I love this team. It, it's there are so many players who can do so many things, and Wade has an offensive system that maximizes it. I mean, they are as fun to watch as any team you're going to find. So you, you add talent at the eight spot, uh, you know, you you could add someone like Laksa, uh, who you know would, would would make threes, and and that's obviously at a premium. Uh, you could add uh, another point guard someone who could do for them off the bench, something comparable to what Jordan Canada uh, did off the bench for Seattle in 2018 uh, as a rookie, uh, any number of ways you can go.
0: Yeah. La- Laxa, by the way, she is an awesome shooter. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to bring up Sammy Whitcomb a lot talking about her. Good. Um, Kit it is not,
2: deserves lots of attention.
0: Yeah. And Sammy's a, a really Sammy's a, a very much a positive defensive player. Whereas Laxa isn't yet from what we've last seen mm-hmm. yet. Right. So there'd be work there, but I think, I mean, Laxo is even, I think it can be an even higher percentage gunner. Let's if check. she can just do enough other stuff.
2: Can we just, just shout down. out, by the way, the new CBA getting Sammy Whitcomb, a much deserved raise. Sammy's been on this multi-year deal, making $50,000 a year. Yeah. Which is a crazy bargain ridiculous for what Sammy uh, brings to the table in Seattle signing her for you know three years 150 thousand dollars was a, I mean a brilliant move you you do it but the vet minimum jump to 68 thousand means that Sammy gets an extra 18 thousand in her pocket and she's still barred in at 68 but I'm glad to see it yeah so there's our there's our
0: piece on Chicago. Uh, and, Maria Conde and... was the third round pick last year. People can catch her playing for Spain mm-hmm. at these Olympic qualifiers as we record this on Friday. And that's a wrap. Thank you again for listening here to part two. Be sure to check out part one in case you missed it or some previous episodes. Howard had Marianne Stanley, new head coach of the Indiana fever on the show, as well as Skylar Diggins-Smith, very topical guest and episode this time of year with that one. And later this weekend, we'll have part three up as well on the other teams not yet covered and many of the names that could be candidates to move teams or or stick around. Thank you again so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.